1: My name is Brian Anthony Davis, folks. Thanks for joining us as always on the pregame show, and we cannot do this pregame show without the venerable KT Smith, the coach with the most. What is going on, my friend? It was a bye week last week, right?
0: Yeah, bye week for us last week. So uh, that was nice to get a little little time to, uh, away and work on the house and catch up on errands and all that good stuff. So and watch and watch the Steelers win a football game, man. That was that was exciting too how did that feel man that was great that was isn't it amazing how it it, it, uh kind of changes your whole mood it's sort of like like lifts up the rest of your weekend and it just i don't know you just feel it's better i just had a conversation with somebody once about you know the self-esteem uh impact that you know having your your favorite team do well has on you that like when you actually when your team's doing well you actually like feel better about yourself absolutely even though it has nothing to do with you you know
1: you know what I feel like I'm walking on air when the Steelers win and in the playoffs or when they're ready to go into the playoffs or especially Super Bowl week I know I haven't had a whole bunch of those in my lifetime but the ones that I have had been absolutely amazing and you just feel like you're on another level. There's nothing like that January feeling when your team is winning. Now, when you have a one and three team and they win the way they did, and I thought they looked pretty good, um, the score was a lot closer. But there's some reasons for that, and I'm going to ask you about that. But when they beat Denver to go to two and three, man, I was absolutely elated, and I feel like I feel like I was on a hot air balloon, my friend.
0: Oh, absolutely, I feel the same way. I just felt like last week's game was so pivotal because you had the Seahawks coming in. Denver was a good matchup. We talked about that last week on the show, what, how we, we thought that that was a good matchup for the Steelers. And you knew that the Seattle game, with or without Russell Wilson, was going to be tough because they're a veteran team and, and a, a well-coached team. So, like, you had to get that Denver game because you knew sat Seattle was going to be challenging. And if you could get Denver – and then roll that into a win against Seattle, you could be three and three at the bye. And then everything changes. The whole outlook changes, you know, because the, the narrative actually heading into the Denver game was like, oh, the Steelers could be staring at one and five. Well, how different is it if they're actually now three and three? I thought last week it was going to be a perfect weekend because Steelers win, Bengals lose, Browns lose, and, Oh, my God. I mean, I go to bed on Monday night and and Baltimore's losing 23 to three. And, you know, I'm 100 percent convinced that, wow, the Steelers are going to have gained a game on everybody in the division and wake up only to find out that that the uh, Colts had some kicker meltdowns, you know, (laughs) and lost that game.
1: Oh, I am still sick from that. I stayed up until the very end. And I was just like, oh, I cannot handle this with this team. So it was just you just knew with when Baltimore got the ball back that time that they're just going to they're just going to score. It seemed like they're they can be unstoppable at times. And every chance that the Colts had, oh, they blew it in kickers. Kickers, kickers, kickers. You know Adam Sandler would say it's the lonely kicker. You know, and they can be the loneliest man in the locker room at times, and they could be the uh, the biggest man on campus too. But
0: Rodrigo, I believe it's it Rodrigo Gonzalez. Oh, yeah, uh, blanket ship. Did you see the, did you yeah. see the camera shot of him after he he shanked an extra point, which I think at the time made the score twenty two to three, and then they had a camera shot of him on the sideline sitting by himself on the ground, like looking like somebody just kicked over his can sandcastle at the beach. And I just remember <laughs> thinking like, I just remember looking at that shot and thinking that's not good. That's he's like sulking by himself right now. And he needs to be a little mentally tougher than that. And it turns out it just got worse from there.
1: I think there, from what I understand, I think he had an ailment as well, but we've been through this before with, with Chris Boswell just in 2018, where he just, was not right the entire year. And it took an entire uh, off season to get healthy. And once he did, he's just magical. And right now the guy's magic. So, you know, I, some guys, I, I'm not saying that Rodrigo Blankenship is going to be a great kicker all time in this league, but he, he's going through some stuff and sometimes that takes a while to, to work its way out. But not when you're playing the Ravens. Come on, man. Give us some help. I had to look at smug Jim Harbaugh. I mean, John Harbaugh, and I can't stand that guy. And watching him celebrate was like, oh, here we go. I, I don't even watch it. There's no post game interview for me. Boom. It's gone. But let's get back to the Steelers and how great I feel about that team. Now, when things started to slip away in the fourth quarter, and it didn't slip away the whole way but what was your confidence factor in this team I still felt pretty good I still didn't feel like they were going to lose this game I just felt that circumstances put them in that situation and that is having Najee Harris cramp up and having Juju Smith-Schuster out for the rest of the game which you lost a lot on offense and it seemed like it was not I mean that the offense was not going to be able to help out that
0: defense at all in that fourth quarter. Kevin. Yeah, no, I felt the same way. Just, and then the defense, they just didn't seem to have an answer. They played some cover one, which was kind of surprising. You had James Pierre covering Courtney Sutton in, in straight up man coverage with about seven minutes to go in that contest. and, And Denver was able to hit him on a vertical route for, for a score. And then the Steelers went into a soft zone the next time Denver got the ball and they went right down the field and scored again. And you just were like, wow, you know, uh, we don't have any answers right now. And that last drive, you just sort of felt like you were holding on for dear life. I think for me, the big the big issue was outside of T.J. Watt. We, we couldn't get a pass rush. Um, you know, Melvin Ingram and, and uh, Alex Highsmith were were pretty ineffective. And um, that was that was kind of surprising because, honestly, you know, Denver – had surrendered a lot of sacks coming into the game. And I just really felt like that's a game where against Teddy Bridgewater, who, you know, he's not, he's got some mobility, but he's not extremely mobile and he's coming out of the concussion protocol. I just really thought that the Steelers would have an opportunity to, to get after the passer and, and they didn't. And I think that that really benefited Denver in the fourth quarter. So that, that's going to be an area of concern uh, this week as they look forward to Seattle. Uh, who's got a better offensive line than Denver does, uh, just got to figure out ways to generate pressure.
1: That is absolutely true. Now, I'm going to ask you about one more guy before we move on to the Seahawks, and it's Cameron Sutton. How much did they miss that guy last week?
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. He's a guy who I don't notice much during games, like when I'm watching the games, and that's a good thing. You know, you uh, he's yeah. – a D back, sometimes D backs are like offensive linemen in the sense that you really only notice them when they screw up. Occasionally, they'll make a splash play. You'll have an interception or a pass breakup. But a lot of the time, they're best when they're unnoticed. I mean, Steven Nelson, when he had his really good year, his first year in Pittsburgh, was virtually invisible in games, largely because teams just weren't challenging him. And there's and Cam Sutton's been like that a little bit. You know, he's, he's had a quietly effective year, whether they've used them inside or outside. And it was apparent in that game, especially in the fourth quarter, that his absence was hurting the Steelers, which isn't to say that James Pierre has played poorly. I mean, he he made the biggest play of the game at the very, very end on that fourth down. Actually uh, made two
1: of the biggest plays of the game. What was the other one? Javante Williams. He tracked him down.
0: That's correct. That guy gets in the end zone. This is a different story, my friend. Yeah, correct. Correct. Sure, but he's not the cover guy Sutton is, you know, so I, I was I was, was very happy for him that he was able to come up with the, the big plays there at the end, but the Steelers need Sutton back, no doubt about it.
1: Well, it looks on the injury report like he has been a full participant, and in fact, the Steelers have, as of Thursday, had a great injury report. The guys uh, like Carlos Davis, who has been on there a lot, and now Juju Smith-Schuster, those are the guys that you're seeing on the injury report, but everybody seems to be back. As far as their second injury report of the week, the big one is the Friday injury report. And as we are, we are recording this on Thursday evening. So that will tell the tale. And if you look at the Seattle injury report, it's very interesting because the Seattle Seahawks had Russell Wilson listed as limited in practice, but that means they just have not put him on the injured reserve because he has had surgery for that. He cannot play this week. But two guys that did not practice as of Thursday, which they were limited on Wednesday, but Chris Carson and DK Metcalf did not practice. So Friday will be a big game for them. And those three players are the biggest players on this offense. And, you know, you could throw in uh, Tyler Lockett as well as as a great player. But if you're missing missing Russell Wilson changes things completely. Because Geno Smith is pales, 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 pales in, co- in comparison with the magic of Russell Wilson. Then you throw in the fact that you're, you've got a very capable rusher in Carson if he's limited. And DK Metcalf, how great is he with Geno Smith? as opposed to that of Russell Wilson. So that's a question too, Kevin. But when you look at the rankings for each of these teams, Seattle bests the Steelers in offensive rankings all the way across the board, Kevin. But that's definitely going to change without Russell Wilson and maybe those other two guys as well. So let's ask you this. Barring some weird miracle, I don't think it's going to happen. But if Russell Wilson maintains of not being in this game then
0: you know how anemic will the seattle offense be well russell Wilson's not going to play i mean they, they weren't lying he was limited in practice he was limited to nothing you know so, <laughs> so they're not lying uh I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest i thought geno smith did a nice job i watched that game last week after wilson left and he did a nice job in the fourth quarter he he led a 98 yard scoring drive uh he led a Uh, a field goal drive after that that was uh, about a 40 10 play 46 yard drive and got him you know to within 23 17 they had the football with two minutes to go with a chance to to win the game and i know he threw an interception on the first play but that really it wasn't his fault uh he threw it to a receiver who was who was breaking open who just got his feet tangled and went down and you know he went down just as, as smith was releasing the ball and so it was picked off uh, but obviously Smith was anticipating the receiver breaking and staying on his feet. So, but I mean, there's, there's just, I always feel like a defense is in a, in a difficult position when the backup comes in mid game, because yes. it, you know, they've not, they haven't prepared for that. It, it happened last year when the Steelers played Denver and drew Locke went out and got replaced with, was it, was it, uh, Jeff Driscoll, Dr- Jeff Driscoll. Right. And, you know, you had, and those are two very, very different types of quarterbacks. And so the Steelers, you know, I don't, I don't know if they knew exactly how they wanted to attack Driscoll or more importantly, what would Denver try to do with him? You don't, you don't really, you can't anticipate the other team's game plan for a guy that's got virtually no film. So, so Smith comes in and he's, you know, the Rams are kind of picked off there a little bit and he has some success. Historically that's not been Geno Smith. You know, we know we, for those, uh, who are listening? Who really don't remember Geno Smith? He was the second round draft pick of the Jets back in 2013. Uh, they probably rushed him into the starting lineup. He became a starter as a rookie. He was a great he was a great read option quarterback in college at West Virginia, and then they immediately put him in a pro style offense and asked him to do you know some complicated things, make full field reads, and do all the stuff that NFL quarterbacks are expected to do. But they they rushed him into the job. Uh, he did very poorly He flamed out in two years. He struggled to handle the New York media and he's been bouncing around since then. He's been on four different teams in the last six years. Um, you know, he's, he's a, he's definitely a backup quarterback. What, what can he do at this point? I mean, he's still fairly mobile. He can move around the pocket. He can extend plays. Uh, they'll, they'll probably have some read option schemes in there for him where he has some design runs Uh, He's got a decent arm, but what he doesn't do well is read defenses. So, I mean, the one thing I would really expect from the Steelers is for them to, you know, throw the entire defensive playbook at them uh, at Seattle in terms of their coverage disguises. I would really look for uh, uh, Keith Butler to get very, very creative with how he disguises coverages, where he brings his blitzes from, et cetera, because the more you can confuse Geno Smith and, and make him have to process information, the better it'll be for the Steelers.
1: Well, we mentioned offensive rankings and we're going to go through them here, but we're going to take a little break and we will be right back after this. You're not going to want to miss the second half of here we go. The Steelers pregame show on behind the steel curtain radio. Welcome back to BTSC Radio. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is KT Smith, the coach. And we are breaking down, doing the pregame, getting ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers to try to get their record even at three and three before their bye week. And it's Sunday night football. It's exciting. And thank you for joining us here on Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. So, Kevin, we were talking about rankings and we were talking about the Seahawks, With Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, and others, uh, they're a middle-of-the-road offense, but they've bested the Steelers in every single category. The hope is that the Steelers are going to wake up here, but let's go ahead and look at total yards. Pittsburgh is ranked 27th, and the Seattle Seahawks are ranked 19th. When we go ahead and look at the passing game, it's a lot closer as the Steelers are ranked 19th with only 246 yards per game, and the Seahawks best them by one yard average per game at 17. The rushing game, this is great news, Kevin. You're going to be excited when I say this. The Steelers are no longer the 32nd ranked rushing offense. They are the Miami Dolphins are last now. The Steelers are now. 31st at 73.6 last week we were talking they were 55 so they went up almost 18 yards per game if that running game gets back together because of the offensive line doing well and what we're seeing of Najee Harris that could change as well the Seahawks with Chris Carson are at 100.6 yards per game and they're ranked 19th and in points the Seahawks are ranked 24th and the Steelers are are 18.8 and ranked 27th. Hopefully that will go up as well. They had a 27-point game last week, their biggest output of the season, Kevin. What do these numbers say to you quickly?
0: Steelers are moving on up, baby, in the run game, 32-31. to It's right? yeah, a big deal! Yeah, cue the Jefferson's theme song, man, moving on up. Um, Beans don't know, burn I, in the kitchen! <laughs> I just, I, you know, I think the Steelers numbers are how you you almost have to sort of asterisk them and look at the first three weeks versus the last two weeks. The first three weeks you had that young offensive line, you know, learning how to play on the fly, coming together, five guys who had never played uh, a single meaningful down together. And they were playing against some tough defenses, one, and, some even fronts which are tricky we talked a little bit about fronts last week and I, I don't want to get into the weeds on scheme stuff here uh, but but I mean uh, an even front is a front where the defensive linemen are primarily stacked on the heads of offensive linemen you could have you know uh, a three a three down front where you got a guy stacked on the on the center's head and two guys stacked on the tackles or you could have a four-man front where both tackles are stacked over the guards. But the thing that makes that tricky is those, those linemen can slant to either gap. They can go inside or outside, and it requires a ton of communication on the part of the offensive lineman to be able to handle that stuff. If you're running an inside zone play, for example, which is the Steelers' favorite run play and a play they've done really well with the last two weeks, uh, you have to be able to double-team the down lineman to the linebacker, which means one, one lineman has to be able to take over the defensive lineman and another has to chip off onto the linebacker when you don't know if that defensive lineman is slanting right or left it creates some confusion on the part of the offensive line that they have to be able to handle on the fly and that takes reps and the Steelers really struggled with that the first couple of weeks they saw some even fronts against Vegas against Cincinnati the Bills threw a little bit at them the last two weeks they blocked odd fronts odd fronts are a little simpler in the sense that the defender is now lined up in a gap so he's lined up if you 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 might hear people talk about techniques the one technique the three technique the three technique means the defensive tackle is lined up in the gap between the guard and the tackle and it's harder for him to sort of loop or stunt to a different gap you pretty much have an idea where he's going to be and the Steelers did much better facing gap fronts the last two weeks because they were able to get off the ball a little faster because they had the certainty of knowing who they were going to block. They simplified their schemes, and they really got, got rid of the outside zone scheme, which they tried hard to run the first couple of weeks. Uh, that's a complicated scheme to block. And they went to sort of, Inside zone, man blocking, some really simple gap stuff where you could get like a lead blocker up onto a linebacker, and they've done much, much better as a result. So while the rankings are what they are and the numbers are what they are, I think the Steelers offense improved vastly the last two weeks, partly because they're getting more experience, partly because they saw some fronts that were a little easier to block, and they're going to see another uh, odd front this week, which, again, I think will help them as well. So I'm looking for those numbers to keep improving.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that odd front and broke that down for us. I appreciate that. And so we're going to continue talking about the running game. And let's start with the Seahawks and how bad they are against the run. They are ranked 31st. So the Steelers are ranked 31st running. And this is a team that has given up 145.2 yards per game on the ground, which is a big deal. Steelers might be able to pad their numbers this week. If they can get Najee going, if they could get those holes open against that odd front. So exactly what you're saying, if that happens, then with this defense, they should be able to get right. Now, my question is when you have the 31st ranked rushing team in the Steelers and the 31st rushing defense in the Seahawks,
0: who typically has the advantage there? (laughs) Uh, That's a great question because you know you're you're not exactly talking about strength on strength. But for me, right now, the Steelers have the advantage because I think the Steelers run game is improving. While Seattle, I don't think there's any easy answers for them as to how to fix their run defense. I mean, they're they're they just lack like hot, top end talent on the defensive side of the ball. You know, when I mean, you look at like the defensive front, I mean they'll they'll play some three man fronts and some four man fronts, but like their defensive linemen are guys like uh, Carrie Heider, who's a defensive end, they brought in in free agency, but he's on his fourth team in five years. Al Woods, the former Steeler who's now, you know, I mean, he was wow. kind of like, yeah, man. Al Woods was like, he was a like a backup in Pittsburgh years ago. He's now 34 years old and he's starting in Seattle. I mean, he hasn't gotten any better in those years. Uh, you know, Carlos Dunlap, you know, the former Bengal who was a stud, when he was in Cincinnati six, seven years ago, but he's 32 years old and on the tail end of his career. Uh, they, got, they got a guy named Puna Ford, which is a great name, uh, but he's like an undersized defensive tackle. He's listed at 5'11", 300 pounds. I mean, you don't see any you know, many, many defensive linemen over, uh, under six feet these days. Um, so long story short, I mean, they just don't have a whole lot of talent on their defensive front. And while Bobby Wagner is still a stud at linebacker, I mean, Bobby Wagner had 20 tackles in their game, earlier this year against Tennessee and he's currently second in the, in the NFL in, in tackles. I mean, he's still, he's still a stud, but it's pretty hard to make tackles when the defensive lines getting pushed into your lap. And, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of talent surrounding him at linebacker. I mean, they had, a, they spent a first round pick two years ago on a kid named Jordan Brooks, who's a uh, starting outside linebacker for him. but you know, he's, he's really struggled in pass coverage. Um, they just, uh, they're just, you know, they're just not a very good front seven. And so I think that the Steelers, the combination of the lack of talent Seattle has with scheme fit, which is uh, a scheme the Steelers have blocked well the last couple of weeks will benefit Pittsburgh's run game.
1: And you know what? Bobby Wagner is fantastic as he is. He's beat up too. He's he ha- has been limited in practice this week. Probably will play, but he has some bumps and bruises as well. Let's look at the rest of the Seattle defense. Not good. When you look at points per game allowed, 25.2, they're ranked 22nd. That is their best ranking on defense. Overall defense, this is the worst statistical defense in the league. At 450.8 yards per game given up, they rank 32nd. And against the pass, 305.6, where they rank 30th. The Steelers on defense, getting better. You know, not too bad. They've got two top 10s and nothing outside uh, their worst is number 19. Total yards per game, they've given up 361 at ranked 16th. They have the 19th ranked passing defense at 260.6 yards allowed per game. The rushing defense, disappointing for the Steelers, but still not bad. They're ranked ninth, and they've given up 100.4 yards per game, and 22.4 22.4 points per game given up that ranks 10th in the National Football League, Kevin. So with that being said, who on offense for the Seattle Seahawks are you going to worry about? I'm going to ask you the same thing about defense, but I'll ask you this first. Is Bobby Wagner the guy to look look
0: for in defense? You just talked about him. Is he their best player? Yeah, you got to block Bobby Wagner. I mean, see, Seattle's job is to keep him clean so that he can run free and make tackles uh, and they haven't been able to he's made a ton of tackles, but you can see by the rushing yards, they've given up. Oftentimes those tackles are being made further down the field than they would like them. And that's a product of the defensive line, not being able to set the line of scrimmage. So I'm hopeful that the Steelers will be able to get a push up front and make Wagner's job harder. I also think that he's a guy that does better when you give him space. So I'd love to see the Steelers try to sort of clutter Uh, What what he has to do with a lot of a lot of Matt Canada motions, make Wagner move sideline to sideline so that you can kind of get him thinking laterally and then run the ball right at him. You know, I mean, I'd love to see the Steelers go heavy personnel groups, especially with Juju Smith Schuster now out. You're going to have to replace him in the slot somehow. And and a great way to do it is through heavier doses of like 12 personnel with, with multiple tight ends on the field. And now, you know, you use your, uh, you know, off the ball receivers to run some of that motion Canada likes, you know, you think you get Wagner, maybe, you know, you run some of those quick screens to the sideline, you run some jet sweeps, you get Wagner moving laterally, and then you use your big tight ends uh, to get some double teams on the down lineman and try and push him into his lap so that he's not able to fill his fast. because when he's playing downhill football and he's, and he's able to read quickly and blow gaps he's really really good so you got to slow him down and I think the way you do it is with your scheme
1: very good so let's talk about the offensive side of the ball mentioned that you have some guys that uh, may be hurting but who is the big threat I mean is Geno Smith the guy that you're really trying to stop here or is it a guy like
0: Lockett Carson Metcalf what are you going to do with this offense well, I I have I feel obligated to do this. But I have to remind you and everyone listening of some of the names uh, of backup quarterbacks to whom the Steelers have lost in yeah. the last decade. Yeah. So should shall we? Shall uh, we shall. Well, we've got uh Ryan Mallet. I was uh, there. Yeah. Oh, you were at that game? Yeah.
1: Dave Schofield was of, too,
0: yeah. Was that one of the more depressing drive drives home of your life?
1: Yeah, because it, you're in Baltimore when yeah, it happens. Right. And it was uh it wasn't too bad. The best part about it was the fact that the Steelers were still going to the playoffs and the Ravens were still eliminated. Right. So right. that was good news there. But the walk to the car was the worst because there are some real jerks that fans in
0: black and purple, I will just tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. Uh so yeah, Mallet, I mean. The one, that, the one that really gets me is is Mike Glennon, twice, twice. Twice, yep. Chicago Mike Glennon and Tampa Bay Mike Glennon. I mean, uh, you know, there's there, you know RG3 when he was really not playing particularly well. We lost to him and we lost to uh, Gradkowski, even though he was a starter. We all know that Bruce Gradkowski is really a backup. Uh, we lost to Tebow, even though he was a starter. We all know Tebow's really a backup. I mean, it's just there's just a long history of the Steelers. Coming up small against uh, backup quarterbacks. As to why that is, who knows? I mean, I don't know if it's scheme issues or failing to to be properly motivated, you know, overconfidence, whatever it might be. But so the Steelers need to obviously make sure that they're they have a good plan in place that to execute against Geno Smith. But part of that plan is, of course, trying to figure out, oh well, you know, what's what are they going to do with him? Uh, you know, if you're Seattle, what how do you maximize uh geno smith's abilities and there's really kind of like two ways to do it you, you know you try to small ball the steelers with a lot of really short quick passes to get the ball out of his hands um and give him really simple reads you know one read type plays you're going to throw you're going to read one defender and you're going to throw a or b depending on what the defender does uh, and then you know when the steelers start to jump the short stuff maybe take some deep shots or you just try to maximize your weapons if i'm seattle that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to maximize my weapons. I'm going to try to get DK Metcalf isolated one-on-one as much as possible and feed him the ball. He's a, he's a nightmare of a mismatch. And if you can get him isolated in one-on-one coverage, jump balls are probably as good as anything that Seattle will have in their repertoire. So from the Steelers, I got to really think about how I want to use my safeties this week. The Steelers have been pretty aggressive bringing Minka Fitzpatrick into the box to let him be like an alley type guy, you know, not necessarily fill them like Hilton role, but we've seen him play down low a lot more than he's ever done. And so, you know, do the Steelers want to do that knowing that they risk having to play Metcalf man in man coverage, or do they want to sit back a little bit, protect against the deep ball and make Smith read the defense, be accurate against zone coverage, be patient, dink and dunk, et cetera. So I think that'll be the really interesting chess match. What does Seattle want to do? Scheme wise, are they going to try to force feed Metcalf? Are they going to put the ball in Geno Smith's hands a little more and let him try to uh, dissect the defense? And then how do the Steelers respond?
1: All right. So that was fantastic. Now uh, we're running out of time here, but I'm going to ask you quickly who needs to get the game, Paul, for the Steelers to get to three and three and win this game? You could pick
0: offense or defense. The O line, the O line, man. I I mean, I still believe that the Steelers are going to sink or swim. With their offensive line, I think what, the, the biggest reason we saw Ben Roethlisberger have his best game of the year last week was because the line kept them clean, and I think this is a great week for the line to really assert themselves. If the Steelers can have another productive run game like they did last week, uh, Roethlisberger will play well. They'll score enough points to beat Geno Smith. All right, then let's give a defensive game ball as well. The pass rush, you know, I mean, uh, well, actually, uh, let me let me take that back. Uh, Keith Butler. I think this is a Keith Butler game. He he's got to confuse Geno Smith. He's got to make Geno Smith's life miserable by making him diagnose complex schemes and looks. I mean, the Steelers should really, really get deep into their playbook and diagnosing or, or, or disguising their coverages and their blitzes, and make Geno Smith, uh, you know, have to solve some you know th- those intricate schemes. All right, final score, Kevin uh 28 20 pittsburgh it's never easy man it's never easy against backup quarterbacks i don't expect a blowout seattle will be fighting for their life in in a way they don't want to go to two and four just like the steelers don't want to go to two and four i think we'll get the best of what seattle has i just don't think seattle has enough with geno smith and 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 their defense being in the state that it's in i think they'll make it competitive but in the end I'm going to go 28-20 Steelers.
1: All right. I am going to go with an eight-point difference as well. 31-23, to 23, your Pittsburgh Steelers finally got off the schneid last week, predicting a victory, so I feel great about that. So I'm going to go ahead and try it once again this week for actually the fifth week in a row and hope that uh, my good luck continues for a second consecutive week. So with that being said, Kevin, thanks so much. I appreciate you joining us and, as always, putting on a clinic.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Go Steelers, man.
1: Sunday night football. I love Sunday night football, so I'm excited for this. You got it. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. And grab that terrible towel and start rooting. It's here we go. The Steelers pregame show. Thanks for joining us. We will see you next week. And yes, it's a bye week next week, but you'll still see us. We'll see you, friends. Bye now.